You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Getting your financial world in shape isn't only about numbers. It's also about discovering your lifelong goals, the milestones you need to get there, and what you're doing right now to support that journey. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Well Show. Our guest today says that many people stumble around when it comes to their financial future because they haven't really figured out what they're trying to accomplish over the long term. As an example, a college education may groom a student to be a good employee, but not someone who might go beyond that employee status to start their own business. Jonathan Satofsky is the CEO and Chief Behavioral Coach at Satofsky Asset Management, or SAM. He takes a mindful approach to financial planning by helping clients figure out what they really want and the investment strategies they'll need to accomplish their goal. In this podcast, he shares some of his thoughts on how to get in touch with your financial muse in order to map out a plan for financial freedom and flexibility. So Jonathan, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. You specialize in some of the topics that we don't mention very much, and that is financial intelligence and really emotional intelligence. So let's talk a little bit more about that. What does it mean to have emotional intelligence and specifically financial intelligence? I think I stumbled into the field of financial planning and wealth management uh, as a byproduct of the fact that they don't teach it formally in high school and college. So most people learn uh, by rumbling, bumbling, and stumbling. And at a young age, most people aren't thinking about the lifespan of their financial journey. So it takes a tremendous amount of emotional intelligence to not only know what you want, but to start mapping out a game plan of how to execute and make decisions that are going to give you the financial freedom and flexibility throughout the course of your life, whether you're investing in real estate or the stock market or whatever it is your plans are to give yourself that autonomy and freedom that everyone ultimately is going to reach at some stage of their life intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah, it's interesting. My daughter just graduated from San Diego State and she said, you know, I feel like I've been really well trained to work for someone else, even though she <laughs> she got a degree in business. But, uh, you know, I think they were still thinking she'd be in business, business administration or in marketing for someone else. So very, very interesting. We're really not taught to think about the future, where we want to be and get clear on what's most important. And then what are the financial steps to get there? Well, it's no different than your daughter that's graduating. You know, people are asked at 17 years of age, what do you want to do the rest of your life? Pick a major, pick a career, pick a path. You know, people can idealize what it is to pick any profession, law, medicine, being in real estate, being in finance. I believe you said you're in Italy right now. Is that right? I am in Milan. Yes. Okay. Somehow you found a parking spot. That's wonderful. Thanks for taking the time for us here. Now, you specialize in behavioral coaching and specifically behavioral finance. What does that mean? Trying to help people align their idea of how they want to live and their goals and dreams with what they're actually doing. Like a financial doctor, where we try to help people hold them accountable to what it is that they say is most important and aligning their actions to what it is that are their priorities to keep them on track. So behavioral finance is, as my friend says, you can be Einstein for others, but Mr. Magoo for yourself. And everyone needs a coach to be able to help keep them in line when people fall off track. Okay. So would you say that people even have a track when it comes to finances? I mean, it 
like I had said earlier, my daughter just graduated from San Diego State. She said, wow, mom, now I have a degree where they really taught me to be a very good employee and to work for somebody else, even though she has a business degree. I mean, are we taught to f- happiness and how to create a life of happiness and, and, a, and a career that surrounds that or not so much? Not so much. You know, there's a famous book by Thomas Campbell, um, Hero of a Thousand Faces, if you've ever heard of it. And uh, the concept of uh, every hero's journey is the uh, pursuit of self-discovery and pursuit of joy or bliss. Mm. And so it's easy to say to a 21-year-old graduating college, go pursue your bliss. And they're just like, wait a second, I need a job to be able to pay the bills. You know, they're not thinking on a deeper level of understanding to know what brings them joy. So it is not something taught. It's something that is learned through experimentation and a degree of self-awareness of trying to balance competing priorities in life. Sure. I mean, I never... So I think that having someone to pull it out of you, having a coach, a financial coach or therapist, or, you know, just observing life and experiences to feel through what works, what doesn't work, what feels right, what doesn't feel right. Ideally, people would start foundationally with some financial literacy and good habits to be able to give themselves the flexibility to take risks, to experiment with things that are going to light them up and unlock their unique abilities and talents to shine on the world, whatever that means. So when you're working with a client, what are the powerful questions that you ask them to dive into that part of themselves that maybe they haven't paid any attention to? First, why can we help? And then you just probe with open-ended questions. You know, people become a faucet of, well, I'm thinking about doing this, 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 this. How can you help? And so you just take it one step at a time. There isn't a, there isn't a silver bullet. The answer always is it depends. One question mm-hmm. leads to the next to really dig deeper. And I think a lot of it has to do what they witnessed from their parents or grandparents' experience, friends, community. You know, there's a book called uh, Excellent Sheep that was written by a Yale student who became a Yale professor that said a third of the kids go to school with a creative ambition. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, because of peer pressure from their teachers, parents, friends, they end up going into what is the safe route of management consulting or doctor, lawyer, and they give up on their passions or creative pursuits because they figure I'll make money and then I'll pursue the creative pursuits. Mm-hmm. So we try to find a way to challenge people in a, in a carefrontational way, in a provocative way to say, what is it that really, what is it deep down that really is going to bring you joy and let's pursue it. Let's not waste any time in your life, you know? Well, let's say it's music or, I mean, let's, let's take that. I'm, I'm here in the Los Angeles area and there's lots of people pursuing their, their joy of music and not really making money from it. Um, we just hired some young, you know, 24 year old musicians for a private party and they were so talented. Uh, there's no reason why they weren't mega superstars, but they're not. So, you know, what, what do you say for people who really are pursuing what they love, but not getting anywhere financially? How do you apply that skill set to option B, C, D? You know, everything's about optionality. So, you know, people want to go all in and say, okay, I'm going to be the next queen or, you know, doors <laughs> or whatever. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a mega star, mega star or bust. And, um, you know, from what I understand, the little background I understand, I think uh, in doing a little digging, I think Will Farrell was uh, living in his mom's home, working at Target for eight years or something like that while he was pursuing his acting career. So mm. you got to make some sacrifices and challenge yourself to, uh, to bring that creative spirit into 
some practical day job that, you know, can bridge the gap between the dream and some other alternative reality so that you have some in between that you aren't uh, boom bust. Some people like to live with boom bust, but that you have some, some in between that is uh, sustainable and practical. So how do you know if somebody is financially healthy? So your daughter just graduated from school. Most people are used to the uh, vernacular of getting a report card. So people go for an annual checkup with a doctor and they get, a blood, they get blood work and they see how their financial health is or their, their personal health is. We apply the same concept in finances where if you take a look at someone's balance sheet and someone's cash flow, you can ascertain sort of the equivalent of a report card for someone's financial health and wellness. So that's, you, that's the oh, gauge of some financial, financial health and, and progress that is going to take, you know, it takes time. It's a, it's a building block. So you start at one place and, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It takes time, but it's a, it's a starting point to be able to show the progress. And it's not uncommon. It's hard to imagine, but it's not uncommon to see tenfold growth of someone's balance sheet in a 10 year period of time. If they get into good habits, particularly starting from, you know, from the beginning, you can see exponential change in someone's what? financial health and wellness. What are if those they have basic, that mindset in place. What are those basic habits? Well, give you a simple idea of, of paying, you know, pay yourself first, right? So I met a woman who was 50 years old that had accumulated millions of dollars with a simple concept of paying yourself first. She had a paper route at 15 and she was taught to save a dime of every dollar that she made. And by saving a dime of every dollar and investing at a very young age and thinking about a lifetime of investing, she didn't sweat the short term. She didn't get caught up in the minutia day to day, week to week, quarter to quarter. She was thinking about a lifespan of investing habits. And by carving out a dime of every dollar for her future self, you accidentally create financial independence. Yeah, that's great. And if you do more, it goes even faster. If you did 20%, you just doubled it. <laughs> you know, the, the, you know it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very... I guess there's other vices that people can get addicted to, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is. I think the the addiction of seeing your money accumulate is pretty good. It's pretty fun. It's a good one. Yeah. Some yeah. some women have addictions to buying fancy Italian bags like where you are now, but I I would prefer to buy a little rundown house somewhere <laughs> or a fixed up one. Exactly. Okay, very good. So Number one basic step is to save that 10%. Um, again, I, I, when we first started, we were doing as much as 30%. It was like 10% for investment, 10% for savings, and 10% for emergencies. And you know, if we didn't have an emergency, that got to go into the long term. So you do have to have great discipline, right? And, and stay within that budget, but still find great ways to live even within that budget. I, we did a lot of vacations. They were camping at free campsites and we had a blast. And I, I would I would beg to say, I would say that our kids probably liked those little lakefront camping trips more than, you know, well, I don't know about more than the oceanfront Hawaii place, but, but you know, when they were young, they, they loved it and it was free. Those trade-offs though at a young age and even at different stages of life, it's, it's a sacrifice of prioritizing your values in a way that ultimately has given you the freedom to be at the Hawaii beachfront place that you wouldn't have had if you weren't establishing those habits young and doing yes. it without any guilt. You're, you're able to do it with a lot of pleasure now. Yes, especially if that income is being generated from, uh, from assets that you own and you know that you're going to spend that money this month, but there's going to be more coming next month. 
So yes, it's a completely different mindset. All right. So I am going to look at this list to make sure I did not miss anything. Uh, first of all, what are you doing in Italy? Are you on vacation or do you live there? So I, in the, in the realm of uh, COVID and Zoom, I have, um, I've managed to experiment for now what's coming about a month of designing a life where that I can initially was intended to be a vacation. I visited some clients here in Italy and ended up meeting prospective clients, getting referred to several people, still staying on the New York time zone of actually working three to midnight and vacationing from 6 a.m. to 3 and then 12 p.m. after. So the only thing that's gotten shortchanged in this last month is sleep. But other than that, it's been fantastic. Uh, sleep when you die, right? That's what they say. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it has been uh, truly a pleasure to have you here. I would consider that living real wealth. That's what we teach here is find out what brings you bliss and work towards that. And uh, find out how much that will cost. It may not cost as much as you think. And then create the passive income that will support that. Uh, so what are your investments of choice? What, what, where do you put your money? So philosophically, you know, I know you teach a lot about real estate investing and direct real estate investing. Philosophically, the ideas that you share, the principles are universal. In order for me to travel, in order for me to unplug and turn off my phone for 24 hours or even a week, theoretically, uh, the way that we approach it is by investing in the cheapest, most profitable businesses in the world, predominantly in the equity market. But in the real estate market, the same principles apply. Mm -hmm. So we can invest in the most profitable real estate in the world. And it's not for me to judge in the last year or two, for example, it happened to be warehouses and cell towers. You know, in other times, it might be shopping centers or multifamily houses. But what we do is use technology and computers to be able to curate that kind of portfolio in a tax efficient way so that people can relax and enjoy their lives without stress and benefit by the labor and, uh, and efforts by others. Indeed. Yeah, very good. Okay, Jonathan. Well, I'm sure you've got plenty to do and to sightsee while you're in Europe. I do thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us here on The Real Well Show. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Well Show. Join Real Wealth Network today to find out how to build wealth with new and renovated single-family rentals. Membership is free and will give you access to our investor portal, where you can view sample property proformas and then connect with our network of resources nationwide including experienced investment counselors, property teams, lenders, 1031 exchange facilitators, attorneys, CPAs, and more. And these professionals come highly recommended by our over 56,000 members. To join, go to realwealthshow.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities, or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.